0: Hi, everyone. Before we begin, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, worthy are you of this time. Worthy are you of our worship. Worthy are you of our lives. And forgive us, Lord, for forgetting who you are so many times, for caring about things that are temporary. But we thank you for not forgetting us for, and reminding us that there is nothing better than to be in your presence And we thank you for this opportunity to worship on this Lord's Day as a community and to share what we have experienced and learned during our time in Kenya. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be present so that we can hear what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, We had eight people on our team, uh, seven dudes, and one woman, Lydia Choi. Unfortunately, the week before we left, For Kenya, Lydia caught COVID and could not make the trip. And so now Lydia was basically the MVP of our team. And so uh, she prepared all the VBS materials. And so we really needed God's help. Uh, And we're here to share that God was gracious to us despite a lot of unknowns. Uh, And look at this motley crew over here. Uh, We somehow did it without uh, Lydia. And I, I do want to say thank you, Lydia, for everything. Uh, Lydia has already signed up for next year <laughs> because she could not make the trip this year. And not having any women on the trip this year actually was a big gap for us. Uh, we, next year, our goal is balance. Um, and so uh, the girls, like the young girls, did not have anyone that they could really play with. Uh, they don't want to hang out with old guys like me and Joe and Dave. Um, and so, Lydia, if this is not appealing to you, then you should recruit for next year, okay? Um, so, this is a picture of Pastor Yongchan Chan Lee and his wife, Sue. Next slide. And Pastor Ju, uh, who is working in Kenya and was also there in 2019 when we went. The Lees have been faithfully serving in Kenya for the last 20 years, and their ministry is called Bethany Mission of Kenya and it's located near Mombasa, which is the second largest city in Kenya. It is a predominantly Muslim area and is on the southeast coast of the country. They have a thriving church. They have a great K-8 school that is one of the best in the country, Uh, and our church sponsors many of those kids. And they also have a dispensary, which is also known as a pharmacy or medical clinic, where they provide medicine and additional medical care. Uh, They also work with local public schools to support Christian teachers and provide basic needs such as building boreholes for clean water uh, in Kenya. And we've been working with the Lee since 2009, and our church has been to Kenya seven times to support their work. And so it's been a long-term partnership. And our goal when we go there is really simple. It is to share the love of Jesus with the people that we meet. It's very simple. And our first day of work involved running church service on Sunday, July 3rd. Uh, typically in a given week, they have about 600 members in their church. On Sunday, we had 600 people show up plus 1,000 more. So there were 1,600 people that came to service on Sunday. And it has been three years since they've had visitors because of COVID, right? And so a lot of people showed up to see the Americans and also to receive a gift of maize flour, um, which is a staple food for the Kenyans. So Pastor Charles gave the sermon for the adults. Joe gave uh, the sermon for the children. And we also did Bible study with uh, the younger students. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday, we also woke up early and had prayer meetings. And David led most of them, you see the picture here. And if there's one important reminder, I think we got from this trip collectively is the need to pray more individually and as a church. On Monday and Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., we led VBS. uh, And we ran Vacation Bible School. And the operative word that you need to prepare for as you go to Kenya is pivot. We expected five to 600 students. Day one, we had 832 kids show up. Um, On day two, we had 750 students show up. That's a lot of kids. Um, So we had to reimagine what to do. We shifted our curriculum, and I can testify that we did survive. We fed the children, we ran a full VBS, and we sang a lot of songs at the Mission Center. We also visited Simba High School, which is a school that we support. We also built a church there. You'll see that in in the slides. On Wednesday, we took a one-hour flight and flew to Lamu, which is an island near the Somalia border. Uh, It's a very important cultural center for Muslims, African Muslims. And this was more of of the vision part of our trip. Uh, And the reason why we went there is because the Lees want to plant a church there. And we as a church provided some seed funding for the plot of land that they purchased of $20,000. And so uh, we visited that site. We also visited a school uh, called Dream Tree Academy, where we're gonna be supporting some of those students as well. Um, And we visited the site for the church the Lees are building as well. We stayed in Lamu uh, for about 24 hours. And then we went to a safari in Savo East Here are a couple of pictures. Uh, Me and Charles saw some lions up close, but everyone else was sick, so they they couldn't see it. Um, But it was, and that was our trip. I mean, it was a short trip, but we all became very close when we went to Kenya. Uh, One quick story for you all. Uh, When I think of Kenya, we have a a very special relationship with rain. Uh, In one of our earlier trips in 2011, one of the most memorable moments we had was when Pastor Dave was preaching in the middle of a drought in a remote village called kazibe That village had not had visitors since 1972, okay? <laughs> it's a remote, it's rural Kenya. So when Pastor Dave was preaching, um, he was getting to the climax of the sermon and he said the name Jesus and it just started pouring rain at that exact moment. The timing was uncanny. The same thing happened 11 years later in 2022. Uh, David Chow was sharing during morning prayer meeting and as he came to the climax of his talk and said the name Jesus, it started to pour again. And to me, I, I took that as a sign that God was present and with us and I've been to Kenya seven times now And God keeps teaching me the same lessons over and over because I'm a forgetful person. Um, But these are are simple yet profound truths about who God is, what he cares about, and what he desires for us. And you're gonna hear more from my brothers who will share testimonies of what they've experienced. And it's our hope that we don't forget, but instead we are moved to act and be faithful in, in the coming months. Uh, and years ahead. And my push for the congregation is that if you feel moved by what we share, or the video slideshow at the end, consider coming, because consider coming next year. Because I can guarantee you two things when you go to Kenya: one, it's going to be exhausting. Right? It is. I want to be clear on that. It's very tiring. But two, and more importantly, you will experience God's presence if you go. Um, Thank you very much and, and we hope you're blessed by the rest of the service.
1: Oh, sorry. Our scripture reading for today is Matthew fourteen twenty-two 22 uh, to 33. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Truly, you are the Son of God. The Word of the Lord.
2: I got up too fast. I was too eager to speak. Uh, You'll see on the projection screen it says, Have courage. God is with me, I will not be afraid. That was the theme of the message that uh, I'm going to be sharing today, which is what I gave to uh, the people of Kenya on July 3rd. And it was the theme of Vacation Bible School for the kids on the Monday and the Tuesday following thereafter. Um, in, in Swahili, that phrase is, Kuwa Na Siri, Mungu yu pamojanami. Nami, Sita Ogopa. And for about, I don't know how many hundreds of people that were there on Sunday, we had a very consistent exchange of that refrain back and forth. And so I'm gonna have this up on the projection so that we all can have a vocal participation together with respect to this theme. Friends, no matter what you're going through right now, you've heard me possibly say this before, God is telling you that you're right where you're supposed to be. The storm will come, and the waves will beat us, and the wind will push against us, and the question for us today is, how will we respond? And so I'd like all of us to say this together with confidence. Here we go. Have courage. God is with me. I will not be afraid. The scripture reading picks up just after Jesus performs a miracle of feeding the 5,000. And at this point, Jesus and the 12 disciples, they go separate ways. The disciples get into a boat to head over to the next town over. And Jesus goes by himself to pray. And we can't tell by the story. But I imagine the weather. And I imagine that it's a good day. I imagine that the waters are calm and I imagine that the winds are calm. But Jesus doesn't promise good days. Jesus doesn't promise calm waters. He does not promise calm winds. Jesus promises himself. Amen? And so in verses 24 and 25, we see that the disciples now they find themselves in a really, really big storm. And the waters, which were once calm, they're now waves and they're beating against the boat. And the wind, which was once calm, is now pushing against the boat. And so the disciples now are being pushed away from land, away from safety, away from comfort convenience, and away physically from Jesus, who's praying on the mountaintop. And so they think that Jesus is no longer with them, and so as a result, they start getting afraid. And it gets to a point where they're now fighting the storm for nearly nine hours into the middle of the morning. And so you can imagine that they're so tired, and they're ready to give up, ready to quit but they're right where they're supposed to be. And so consider this for your own lives. What storm are you going in right now? What waves are pushing against your boat? What winds are pushing against your boat? And no matter what you're going through right now, just like the 12 disciples in that boat, God is telling you today that you are right where you're supposed to be. And so the storm will come. The waves will beat us and the wind will push against us. And the question for us to consider today is how will we respond? And so again, I'd like all of us to say this together with confidence. Have courage. God is with me. I will not be afraid. In verses 25 to 27, we see that at the right time, and it's always with the right time with Jesus, he appears before the disciples and he's walking on water. And take notice of what Jesus does, or rather, take notice of what he does not do. He does not stop the storm, he does not stop the waves. He does not stop the wind. He does not stop any of the trouble. And instead, what Jesus does is he stays with them in the storm, right where they are. And then he offers words of comfort to his guys. And he says three things. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. So when Jesus says, it is I, in the Greek language, he literally is saying, I am. Jesus said, I am. So what is he really saying when he said, I am? And I think what Jesus is saying is, Jesus is saying, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh. Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh. Emmanuel, which means God with all of us, God with you, God with you in the storm. God is with you guys in the storm. But do you believe that? Do you believe that God is with you in the storm? Peter believed that. Peter is now filled so much with faith. He says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you out there, command me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus offers the invitation for him to come out. And he says, come on. Come meet me in this storm. I'm already here. I am with you. So let's go through this storm together. And sure, Peter was probably afraid as he got out onto the water. But in that moment, his faith in Jesus was stronger than any fear he could have over the storm. And as a result, he obeys Jesus, he walks on water, and he walks above his fears because of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't last really long for Peter, does it? Peter... His faith doesn't last long because he got so distracted all of a sudden. Instead of seeing Jesus, he now sees the big waves around him. Instead of hearing his voice when he said, come on. Instead he hears now the howling winds around him. And as a result, he gets distracted and verse 30 says, he was afraid. And he starts sinking in the water. When I was a young Christian, even when I was reading through the the picture Bibles, I used to think Peter was a total fool. If I was a Christian, as I'm looking through the pictures, if I was a Christian, man, I'd never sink in the storm if I saw Jesus out there. Never. But now, I learn and remember all of the mistakes that I've made in my life, and God has humbled me so many times in my life, and now today I know that I am just like Peter every single day. And so the storm will come, and the waves will beat us, and the wind will push against us, and like Peter, when we lose faith, we will sink. But when we sink, the next question is, in that case, how will we respond? For all of Peter's failings when he lost faith, he shows us exactly what to do when we lose faith. He doesn't try to tread water on his own strength. He doesn't try to swim back to the boat on his own strength. He knows better. So what he does is instead he cries out to someone stronger for help. And he says, Lord, save me. In the New Living Translation, Psalm chapter 50 verse 15, God says, call on me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you. And you will give me glory. And so Peter, he cries out to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't ignore Peter's cry. He doesn't wait to help him as if he's trying to teach him a lesson like the next time, Peter, can you have a little more faith next time? He wasn't out to shame him the text says that he immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And even then, he said those words with tremendous love and grace and encouragement. And so the storm will come. The waves will beat us. The wind will push against us. And like Peter, when we lose faith, we will sink. But the Bible tells us that when we sink, if we cry out to God for help, God will rescue us immediately. He will not let us go in the water. He will not let us sink in the depths of the ocean. How will we respond? Let's say it all together with confidence. Have courage. God is with me. I will not be afraid. And so at the end of the passage, we see Jesus and Peter, they come back into the boat. And so the storm now is over. And the 12 disciples now, they're amazed at Jesus' authority over nature and they worship him saying, truly you are the son of God. And so I say it again, whatever storm You're in right now. God is telling you that you are right where you're supposed to be. And your storm, God willing, will stop. Until another storm comes later. That's how it always works, right? But those storms test us and refine us and sanctify us on a daily basis to make us stronger in Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. That is a guarantee. But the verse doesn't end there because Jesus gives us a greater guarantee. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but have courage. I have overcome the world. And he says to us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, Jesus is with us in our storms. Jesus will be with us in our storms. And Jesus will rescue us from our storms, provided that we call upon him for help in faith. And when he does rescue us, my hope is that we would respond just like the 12 disciples, where we make a confession that truly you are the Son of God, and that then we would give God all the glory. That was an abridged version of the message that I gave to um, the people of Kenya. And I wanted to share a testimony, a brief testimony about the power of God's moment by moment grace. Over me, uh, as you saw in the pictures, we visited a Dream Tree Academy in the village of Mokwe on July sixth. And when we arrived at the school, Pastor Lee introduced me and Harry, and, uh, and we sat down. and Pastor Lee was addressing the families. And after speaking for a little bit, Pastor Lee says, "And now Pastor Charles is going to give us the word." And I remember, like, the look on my face and my heart was because I didn't prepare anything for that day. And I had weeks and weeks to prepare for the sermon that I gave on Sunday. And I had, like, a 10-hour turnaround time to prepare for many sermons before we sang, whatever song we sang. But for that moment, I had nothing prepared, and so I blanked. So I stand up, and I'm going to the middle of the classroom, and I'm just trying to buy time. And I remember praying, God, please, I have no idea what to say. Would you give me your word? I was literally doing this. <laughs> I had no idea what to say. And God reminded me of a morning devotion that Dave Chow gave on 1 Samuel chapter 16 when um, Samuel, or, or, uh, Samuel anointed David and David defeated Goliath. And I heard God telling me to bless the families with words of anointing So the word anointing flashes in my head. And it reminded me of verse 13 in chapter 16. So verse 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that being David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now no one's being anointed king in Makoah that day. But in the Old Testament, when the spirit of the Lord rushes on someone, it always talks about how God, his spirit comes on someone and then equips and empowers that person to serve the interests of God's people. And I remember telling them that my hope was that the spirit of the Lord would rush, not drip, not drizzle, not flow, but rush, that's exactly how it said, rush upon them like heavy rain on dry land. That they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they would know the love of Jesus Christ for them, that they would know his saving death on the cross for them, so that they would then share Jesus with people around them. I remember telling them that my hope was that the Spirit of the Lord would rush on the parents who were sitting in front of us, that they would bless their children, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And support them in the endeavor for their children to be educated. To be educated because for them there is power in literacy. When those children can read, they can read the Bible. When they can read the Bible, they can understand the Bible. And when they can understand the Bible, they will grow to know that all scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that those children may be complete and equipped for every good work that God has established for them through Jesus Christ. And I said all these other things afterwards, and I sat down, and I remember Feeling the weight, the heavy weight of God's moment-by-moment grace over me. Because 10 minutes before that, I had no idea what I was going to say. And I remember feeling like Moses. when God was like, you go. And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. That this is not about anything I said. But it's about everything that God said through the Holy Spirit. Now, normally on schedule, I'm done. And I've been hedging to say something else, but I think I'm going to follow Spirit's lead. Um, So this is not public knowledge, kind of, but some people know, but um, I retired from the practice of law. And I, 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 I officially ended at the end of May. For a while, I used to think that I retired But God closed that door. God closed that door. And what he is doing now is he is creating a path for me and he has not just ripped out the grass to show me where the dirt road is, but he has laid down asphalt and an arrow that's going one way. So I'm no longer an attorney, right? And in September, I'm enrolling into seminary on a part-time basis. And God has planted all these seeds for me that um, involve prison ministry, which is an entirely different story. But for purposes of Kenya, when we were in Lamu, I had an opportunity to visit, uh, we went to the beach, I was swimming in the, in the ocean. By that point, Harry and I committed to one week next year to, to come back basically. And I'm I'm lying in the, I'm kind of floating in the water and I'm looking at the sky and I I distinctly hearing God's voice and I heard him say, Charles, will you give me more than one week next year? And I looked up in the sky and I was like, whew, I don't know, God. That one week is pretty rough on Amy. I don't know. I'd be kind of nervous to ask her for her approval to go for another week. So I remember saying, God, I don't know, maybe two weeks? Maybe three? I said, no, two. So I'm I'm now, who am I? I'm bargaining with God, right? I'm like, yeah, I'll go more than one week, but I'll give you two. And I remember feeling like I was doubting. And the irony is I just gave a sermon on that prior Sunday about Peter walking on water and sinking in the water. And now I am figuratively sinking in the Indian Ocean. And God is reminding me of this. And I was like, wow, I'm Peter. So I hold this experience in my heart for the past few weeks and I come home, I had COVID, so I mean, you know, COVID isolation for another 10 days or so. And God is really pressing on, on me certain things as He's now officially closed one season of my life and He's opening a new season and He blows the doors right open. And Amy's hearing all these things from everyone like, Pastor Charles is, Pastor Charles that, you know, get ready, He ain't coming back. <laughs> so last Sunday, I'm having dinner and, um, I sit next to Amy, I'm terrified because I, for some reason, thought she was going to say no, and um, I said, hey, are you afraid of what God is calling me to do? Because mind you, law practice is closed, seminary is happening. Um, you know, knee deep in the youth ministry. God has made clear signs for prison ministry, and now Kenya comes into the picture. So I looked at her and I said, Hey, are you afraid of what God is calling me to? So she says, You know, who I am. I'm not ready to go to Kenya. I said, This is I'm not asking you. No one's asking you. I'm asking you, are you are you afraid of what God is calling me to do? And she says, yeah, I'm afraid. You know, I don't know if you're going to go for six months. Like, I'm not ready for that. And she says, but I'm okay if you go for a month. And I was like, wow, a month. I got four weeks. (laughs) I was bargaining for two. And I, I was like, God, you answered that prayer, and you knew that even in my fear and my doubt, that he is going to take care of all things. He knew Amy was going to green light a month. And I was bargaining with God for two. Like, we do that all the time, right? We bargain with God. Like, hey, if I I get this job, I'm going to go to church. I have a buddy of mine who keeps saying that. He got the job four months ago. I'm like, when are you coming? We bargain with God all the time. And I felt so um, rebuked. But God is like, see, I told you she was going to give you a month. I need session approval for a month now. Because that means I have to take off time for youth ministry. What that looks like in the future, I don't know. Right? But if that serves as any encouragement or a charge for you guys, scripture says, commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. He will act only if you commit your way to the Lord. If it's a partial commitment, he won't act. And I'm going completely off the deep end here. I don't know what's going to happen later. And so, however you receive that, however that um, freaks you out or blesses you, you know, let the Spirit speak to you in that regard. Um... And so, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you.
1: So now we'll have uh, three testimonies from our brothers. The first one will be recorded and then the other two will be here in person.
3: Hello, Grace Way. My name is Joshua Chow. Thanks for letting me share my Kenyan mission trip. I was apprehensive initially as there are many unknown factors, such as a long flight and a, and a different country, and I don't speak Swahili. To my surprise, the overall experience was good because of the relationships I made and the things I saw. I really enjoyed the VBS experience overall. On the first day, over 800 kids showed up and on the second day, 750. The kids were extremely energetic and friendly. Some of them walked over an hour on dirt roads to get to VBS. During worship where Mr. Charles led, the kids were really energetic and friendly as they were singing and dancing. They loved to come on stage. The kids learned how to sing Light of the World. I enjoyed introducing new things to the kids. For example, we taught them origami. That was my favorite activity since I helped them by teaching new things. We played a balloon game with the kids where they had to follow us to catch the balloon. Some have never seen a balloon. It was interesting to see how the Kenyan people live. They lack a lot of basic things such as enough food, enough shoes, and paved roads. There were homes built out of mud. This really opened my eyes to the difference between the developed world and the undeveloped developed world. I feel grateful and blessed for what God has provided me for my family. I learned how complicated it is to teach, play and feed over 800 kids. One of the challenges was that we initially prepared 600 goodie bags before we departed. But when we learned that more kids were coming, we had to adjust and make more goodie bags. None of this could have been accomplished if, it, if, it didn't have, if we didn't have help from the staff and Mr. Lee and Mrs. Lee. I really enjoyed getting to know them and how they're building a new church in Mamu. I also learned this, his testimony on how he became a missionary. On the second day of VBS, I prepared a testimony and shared it in front of the kids about how to tackle big and small challenges and the importance of leaning on God. I usually get nervous before presenting, but I wasn't as nervous. I've never presented to such a large group. It was a good experience. Leaning on God was the title of the testimony, and this will continue to remain in all aspects of my life, such as school, basketball, and church. One thing I ask is to please pray for Pastor Lee and his wife and the kids who are struggling.
4: Hello. Okay, hello, my name is Ryan Kang and I just want to share you my perspective on the missions trip and what I'll remember. The first thing that I want to talk about was what I refer to as the balloon run. So to set the scene, we're inside of the church and we're blowing up balloons and all the kids are outside of the church right now. And once we have five balloons or so, one member of the team runs out. And when they run out, all the kids go after that mission uh, mission team member. And that was just really fun. <laughs> like, when you play tag with like 40, at least like 40 kids come after, coming after you, it was just an experience that I won't forget. And just the aspect of it that I think I'll really remember is just the pure eagerness of the kids. They kept running after us no matter how many times we went out. And it reminded me of a sermon I heard a while ago about being childish to God and how you should be eager and learning about God and following God and also not get tired of him. For example, like no matter how many as I said, no matter how many times we did the running, the kids, even when they were tired, they still ran after us. And so I'll just always remember that. Another part about the Kenya trip that I really liked was the animals I saw there. (laughs) On the safari drive, we saw, we didn't see the lions up close, at least for myself, but we saw lions from a distance. We saw ostriches, zebras, water buffaloes, monkeys, and the best part about them was that they were all in their natural habitat. I've seen these animals in books, movies, and we've even gone on a red flags, six flags, safari new jersey ride and we got to see these animals but seeing the animals being themselves in a natural habitat was just different you saw the animals and you saw a termite mound nearby or we also saw a bird eating another bird in real life that was that was really cool (laughs) and seeing these animals just reminded me of the vastness of god's creation because I saw, I'm not used to seeing animals outside the usual New Jersey deer and occasional fox. And so seeing these was just a great reminder for me. The last thing I want to talk about was how I got to know the Kenyan people. Going from Mombasa Airport to the Mission Center I was when I met my first uh, local there. His name was Ali. He's around 21 years old. Oh, and he also wants to go to cooking for his after high school um, education and what I noticed during the it was around an hour and a half conversation was that even though we had a long and lengthy conversation it was hard to speak with him sometimes because of the different accent and dialects that we had and so I was a bit worried about how I would get to know the other kids if I was having trouble talking with this 21 year old and he was fluent it was just the different pronunciations but I got to know the, uh, the Native people there through our mutual relationship with God. Uh, Mr. Harry mentioned the 6 a.m. prayer meetings, and that was one of the ways I got to know them. So it went, we went yeah, early at 6 a.m., so we had to wake up at like 5 a.m. to start preparing for the prayer meetings, and when we went there, we sung with them, we learned about God with them, and then after, we could talk more with them. And another moment that really emphasized this point was... Before I think the second day where VBS, before VBS day two started, there was Ali and Moses who were singing on the stage. Ali was playing on the drums and Moses was on the keyboard. Around this time, there were probably 250 to 300 kids in the room and so I went up on the stage to just say hi to Ali and Moses and they invited me to come and sit down. And they said, sing with us and I don't know about you, but singing with like, 250 to 300 kids in the background, I'm not used to that. I mean, <laughs> But I ended up did singing with them. And initially it was uncomfortable, but after singing with them, it felt like it was just us on the stage. And we were singing to God. And while singing because I didn't really know their songs. And they also had a slightly different tempo and more freedom than what I'm used to when singing songs. There were some miscommunications in the singing, but we had good laughs about it. We sung a few wrong notes, had a few wrong tempos, but we got to get to know each other through worshiping God. So I'm just grateful for this opportunity that I got to go to Kenya, and I hope I can return again. Thank you for listening to my testimony.
5: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name's Higgy, and I'll uh, share a little bit of, I guess, the ways that uh, I saw God moving in Kenya, and I guess the ways that I feel like God continues to work in my heart uh, having returned. Um, When I look back at the trip, you know, one of the things that we did during debrief was to think about what were the most impactful moments for us, Um, and I guess the one that I picked isn't one I think people would normally pick for a short-term trip, and so I'll do this kind of a A lot of times with some of the the guys that I talk to, we often do like fantasy draft. You're like, oh, let's do a fantasy draft of candy bars or a fantasy draft of this or that. And so a couple of the candidate uh, potential top moments would be maybe, like Harry said, uh, leading a Sunday service of 1,600 people. You can imagine just 1,600 people in that one worship hall. um, Hearing Pastor Charles, he was preaching his heart out there. Um, And just even when Charles was singing songs, it was just a joy to just sing his heart out. And what was cool is you see the kids running up on stage with him, and they would just dance up there. And so that could, that could be one. Uh, another was the the VBS, again, that Harry mentioned, uh, that first day of 832 kids. I think one of the things that really stood out to me that day was um, during lunchtime, uh, we, we had to feed them all. And it was logistically unimaginably difficult. You could You could imagine... Um, we were in three different locations. They cooked just a large amount of food. It was basically this rice and cooked cabbage bowls with a little bit of lamb or goat in there and just trying to logistically feed all of those kids. And I remember we would, uh, a few of us were runners for these plates because you can imagine they maybe have like 100 plates. So they would, they would go in shifts, they would eat, we would, the runners would take the plates, we would bring them to people who would wash them and then bring clean plates back. And that was kind of a, a small logistical feat, but I remember thinking, "This is a small picture of what the disciples were like when Jesus was feeding the five thousand. Except maybe they didn't have to clean dishes, but you could, I could if you remember, that each of the twelve disciples came back with twelve baskets. And to me, those twelve baskets were a representation of God reminding them of how it was God providing. And I felt like as we were running those dishes back and forth." it was reminding me that God was moving and God was providing for these people. So again, that could be another one. Um, a third one would be that vision trip out to Lamu. Um, you know, Harry and Charles got to go out to Mokowe, where they got to go and visit uh, the Dream Tree Academy. And you got to hear a little bit from Charles of some of the amazing things happening there. The rest of the team, we actually did a tour uh, around that UNESCO heritage site and just seeing... Um, Kind of the cultural center, the way that the people live there, how um, deeply Islamic the area is, but then also just this mixture of both poverty and r- cultural richness um, that was—it was just an amazing thing to see. The other thing that we did in Lamu was we went out and saw the plot of land that Pastor Lee had purchased. Um, if you remember, we as a church. Uh, we uh, sent money to support the purchase of a land so that Pastor Lee can then establish a second mission center uh, in Lamu. Now, these are all great experiences where we really got to see God moving. Um, but for me, the most impactful experience of this was none of those, actually. For me, uh, it was um, the night in Lamu where we had dinner with the Lees, and then we sat down for two or three hours. And, and I had asked them, I was asking them throughout the trip because I wanted to hear their testimony of why they came out to Lamu to serve long-term there. And I kept asking them, like it would be like breakfast, and I'd be like, Pastor Lee, can you share your testimony? So like, he would just kind of give me the hand. It would be lunch, he'd kind of give me the hand. And then eventually he was like, in Lamu, we'll do it in Lamu. So that night, um, Pastor Lee and his wife shared their testimony of how they were called, and how they began their, their, uh, the ministry that we now know to be the, the Bethany Mission of Kenya. And to me, I heard over and over and over again from them. It was a story of prayer. What happened for them was a a story of prayer as they prayed, as they listened to God, as they waited on God and obeyed God wherever that he was calling them. And I think when I was listening to them share over and over of what many of us might just call coincidence. You know, oh, it just... Oh, what a lucky coincidence, it just kind of happened. But they, through prayer and through intimate listening with God, they would constantly and confidently say it was God's providential hand at work as they were going and being faithful to whatever God was leading them to do. In 2001, Pastor Lee and his wife sought to go on a short-term trip with their church. So this was even before they established their ministry. Um, They were still living here in the United States. That summer, their church had four different trips planned, um, but at the same time, Pastor Lee told us that they had family that called them and said, we want to visit you from Korea and stay with you for some period of time. Um, and it so happened that their intended stay overlapped with three of the mission trips that they were considering as options. And I guess you can guess which the fourth one, the only option that they had was to go to Kenya, right? So just kind of one, again, we would say, oh, what a, what a lucky coincidence, Um, They returned back and then Pastor Lee then shared, sometime after that trip, they were praying and it was actually Pastor Lee's wife, as they were praying, prayed that she was feeling a call to become a long-term missionary. Um, So they were independently praying. It wasn't like they were like talking about these things, but she she felt led as a call. And the amazing thing about Pastor Lee's wife was that she shared with us, she's actually the first Christian in her family. And here she is being called as a missionary. And she's prayerfully thinking through that. And I'm just thinking, man, that is incredible faithfulness. And and Pastor Lee likewise independently heard that call from God as he was praying. And as an act of faith, he then began uh, training uh, in seminary with the hope of becoming ordained before entering the field. And again, because of that short-term trip, they shared that they felt uh, called to serve long-term in Kenya. But as Pastor Lee finished his seminary training, as he was getting close to ordination, uh, the landscape of his sending church, uh, the relationship with Kenya had changed. So they had already established a mission in Kenya. There was some uh, long-term work that they were already doing. But again, due to a variety of complications, that mission essentially effectively shut down. That avenue, that door seemed like it had closed. However, the Leagues were praying and they kept saying, no, I really believe that God is calling us to Kenya specifically. And uh, frankly, their church argued otherwise. They actually tried to send them to other countries. In fact, they said, why not the Dominican Republic? Why not maybe China near the uh, North Korean border? And this led to actually an amount of, uh, of friction with their church um, because of this. And, and I just want to pause and say, um, I don't want to paint their church in bad light. Uh, In in fact, when they shared that their church had recommended otherwise, they actually empathized with their church, you know, having served on session here and understanding kind of what it means to kind of run and govern the church. In fact, the recommendations their church made made a lot of sense. Um, But again, the Lees, despite human reason, what seemed to make logical sense, were convinced that God was calling them to go to Kenya Um, And again, through a variety of events at a prayer meeting, as Pastor Lee's wife was praying, uh, the senior pastor came up and basically stopped the prayer meeting and was like, we're going to pray for the Lees because we're going to send them to Kenya. And this is as Pastor Lee's wife was praying that the church would bless them to send them to Kenya. So it was like immediate answered prayer in a prayer meeting. That said, the church still largely remained skeptical of the mission because, again, of some of the past historical hurts that had happened. Um, and, and basically, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but basically eight years of ministry in Kenya to establish what we now know, they shared over and over again of the different ways. So like examples of like um, ways that they got volunteer opportunities to teach in the public schools, the way that, the, that Pastor Lee actually got a teaching license in order to teach in their public schools, and the fact that they were able to find a plot of land in Mombasa, as Harry shared, in the second most populous city in Kenya, which again is a heavily Muslim area. And eight years when they broke ground on Bethany Mission of Kenya, um, their church visited and finally saw God at work again uh, in Kenya. So again, the the Lees would share over and over again of how they would pray, of how they would listen, how they would wait on God and just obey as he led. This repeated pattern of prayer and of listening and obeying is what challenged me in thinking about God's call in our lives. Uh, Pastor Lee shared how they never asked for financial support uh, in their mission in their 20-plus years of service there. God would raise up people who would feel compelled to give and to share in the ministry there, um, and God would just open doors. Um, and Pastor Lee had this uh, trademark gesture that we, as a Kenya team, very quickly came to understand. We would often ask him questions about, you know, how did you know to do this? How did you build this church? How did you know you were being called to do this? You know, what do you think about risk? And he would he would have this trademark. He would just go. He would shrug, he would smile. And soon we as a team came to learn that he just trusted God. He knew that God was at work, God was moving, and all he had to do was follow where God was going. And I say all this, I don't want to idolize man, I don't want to idolize the Lees, but to me they were a powerful witness of a humble people who just listened to God and wanted to follow where he went. And candidly for me, Before going on this trip, it was exactly the opposite of where I was. I, on the other hand, had a plan for my own life that I executed with my own skill, my own ability, my own grit, my own learning. I left little room for God to work in my life. Uh, And to provide some context, I just want to read, actually, an excerpt from my support letter that I shared with people before the trip. It has been over 10 years since I've gone on a short-term mission trip with my church, Graceway Presbyterian Church. I decided to go to Mombasa, Kenya with our short-term team this year to challenge myself to look beyond myself and serve others. This pandemic has made selfish and insular living easier and almost justifiable in the name of safety and precaution. If you remember the movie scene or the book for you book readers... From the two towers, King Theoden has glossed over and become entirely ineffective as a king because Wormtongue has consistently spoken untruths into his ear. And for me, this is the pandemic and ultimately Satan speaking untruths to me that I should continue living selfishly for myself in my own protective bubble. And I felt challenged to do something to break out of this. And reflecting on my own walk with the Lord, while maybe I engaged in in the discipline of semi-regular Bible reading, I've come to realize, for myself at least, with a non-existent prayer life, that I was simply unable to hear God and to sense his leading in my life. My heart had grown hard, calloused. And so upon returning from Kenya, I made a commitment to myself to regular morning prayer, I realized that I simply needed regular times of silent communion with God. And in just two weeks since returning, through this time of prayer, I feel like God is beginning a work in my heart. And I want to read a a text from Ezekiel 36 that God led me to as I was praying over the last two weeks. This passage comes in the context of Israel's exile to Babylon, where God rebukes the Israelites for having rejected him. And God says, Therefore I say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules you shall dwell in the land that i gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and i will be your god here god removes from them a heart of stone and gives them a heart of a new heart a heart of flesh god is the actor he initiates this work And does it for the sake of his holy name. And it's my prayer that as Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1 that God who began this good work in me and in all of us, that he will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so to act on this, I've been thinking and praying about ways that I can practically bring these to our church. And so the first is, for me at least, as an act of faith, I want to offer to our church Regular Saturday morning prayer from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. at my house every week, beginning in August. If you feel compelled to pray, to get on your knees, and spend time with the Lord, and you want to do this with the church, I welcome you to my home starting in August on Saturday mornings. I know that we have virtual prayer meetings every Wednesday night. I encourage you to come to that as well. But I want to invite you to my home every Saturday morning, again, starting in August. My prayer for that time is that it be a time where we spend time listening to the Lord, seeking his guidance, confessing our sins, interceding on behalf of our church, our community, our country, and our world, because we live in a broken world that needs Jesus. The second is that Sue and I have been thinking about starting a new family FG. And this actually starts even before uh, going to Kenya. You know, at at the retreat this past summer, We heard about um, having fellowship with brothers and sisters over a table of food. um, And we talked about the importance of being together as community. For me, I want to rediscover the joy of deeper Bible study. I wanna push a group to spend in deeper engagement in prayer, that it's not just an afterthought, it's not just a way to end our time together, but it is actually a core part of our time together. And a key thing for me is I want my kids to be involved as well. This is not just a Bible study for the adults, but this is a Bible study and engagement for our whole family. As we seek the Lord together, we, we've heard from speakers that talked about our kids in order to pass the faith along to them, that they need it modeled in the entire family Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, every day of the week. It's not just one hour on Sundays. And so if you aren't part of a group already and you're interested, you can talk to me, you can talk to Sue, and uh, again, we'll figure this out. Maybe we'll start sometime in September. So I've been praying a lot for a church, and this is how I've been praying. I've been praying that if you have a vibrant walk with the Lord already, if you are praying and deep in the word, and you are walking faithfully with the Lord, my prayer for you is that God would doubly bless you, that you would experience his love, and that joy would overflow in your life and that people around you would see and know that the love of Christ is in your life. But if you don't, perhaps like me, that God would stir in your hearts a desire to know him, to know him again, and that you will find both practice daily and also a community to help you, to help you recapture the joy and wonder of being Christ-beloved. Thank you.